Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Mother's Day. My mom is watching through that little screen there. My two daughters who are moms, thank you, are watching through that little screen there. So uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. If you're here this morning and you are a mom, there are some lovely flowers and vases over here. Those are a gift for you. So please pick one up and take it with you uh, this morning. It's our way of saying happy Mother's Day to you. We are Blessed and honored. As was mentioned in our Instagram post, I think either this morning or yesterday, to the moms, none of us would be here without you. So we 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 want to we want to say thank you for allowing us to be here. The second thing I'm going to mention this morning is in regards to prayer. Daph uh, mentioned that uh, we have a prayer team that prays on Tuesdays. You're welcome to join us, but. We also have an online, a team of people that prays regularly for needs in our church. And if you have a prayer request, and, and I've said this before, but let me say it again, anything at all, I mean, whatever, you know what I mean? If you've got a job interview or what, it doesn't matter if it's, you go, oh, I don't know if that's worthy of prayer. It is. You can send that in. Send that to me, to Glenn at CascadeVineyard.org, and then I will forward it out to our prayer team, and they'll pray, they would love to pray for you. And sometimes you guys need to, to, pick it up a little bit because sometimes folks on the prayer team will email me and go, hey, we haven't had any prayer requests in a while. So they're looking for stuff to pray for. So if you need prayer for anything at all, please uh, s- send those in. And not only will we pray for you uh, here when we gather on Tuesdays, but we will pray for you uh, at home and online as well. I'm having issues. I, I mean, I got a lot of issues, but I'm having issues with my microphone today. So, hey, welcome again. Glad you guys are here. Good to see you. Happy Mother's Day. We have been uh, now going through the book of Ephesians for a while, uh, and we're going to continue in that. We're taking our time because uh, I said so, and because <laughs> Ephesians is such a, a, a just a, a powerful, powerful book in terms of uh, how we live our lives out. So, uh, we're in Ephesians 4. Last week, we looked at a couple things that the... Uh, the one was the gifts that have been given by Jesus uh, to people for the building up of the church. And, and there were two points. I want to just review them real quick because they're important. The first one is that everyone has a gift. No one is left out. If you're here or if you're part of the body of Christ, doesn't matter how young or old you are, how new you are, any of those things, you have a contribution to make. You have something to give. And the beauty of that is that they're all different. And you can, you can contribute something that no one else can. 
And, and I, I, I've said this before. The, the second point was that everyone is a gift. Everyone is a gift. You're, not only do you have something to contribute, but just your very presence here is is meaningful to us. And I say sometimes, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, sort of a, a little joke. I say it's not the same without you. But the truth is, I sincerely mean that. It's not the same without you when you're not here. And uh, obviously, some of our moms are out today. They must be out just... it's. They're having brunch at some nice restaurant or something. That's just ridiculous. Go do that. No, it's not. They're playing golf? No, they're not. They're having brunch. No, I'm, I'm blessed by our moms doing whatever they need to do on Mother's Day to celebrate. Um, but, but my point was that, that everyone's a gift. It's really not the same without you. I, I am personally, and I know as a, as a body, we are deeply blessed by the contributions and the presence and just the, the reality of the, the, the diversity and the people that, that are here. And, and uh, so everyone has a gift. Everyone is a gift. We're going to revisit that same passage in the middle of chapter four today. In fact, I think we're going to kind of camp out on this passage. I, I have at least one more message brewing on this same passage. Um, but the, the reason for that is this, and I'll give you the history. Some of you know this, many of you may not know this, but it's this passage, Ephesians 4, you know, 12, 13, 11, 11 through 13, whatever, is very, very foundational to the vineyard, to who we are in the vineyard movement. Um, in our short history, vineyard has only been around for 45 years or so, but during that time, we, we've been known for different things. So some of them were good, and some of them were not so good, I suppose, um, but nothing in all of that history has defined the vineyard movement more than uh, a little phrase from this particular passage, which is equipping the saints. And uh, in fact, if you would go to the, the next slide for me. Yeah, so for a number of years, many, many years early in our history, there was a regular publication put out by Vineyard Ministries called, Equip called Equipping the Saints. Um, the 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 uh, the way so so the phrase itself obviously comes from the text equipping the saints for the works of service works of ministry, the way it became kind of the you know the 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 vineyard sort of uh, protocol or dynamic or or whatever, I'll I'll share with you this morning. It came out of a conversation uh, that John Wimber, founder founder of the vineyard, had with his wife Carol, early in our history. Um, John began to teach uh, on on healing and on the movement of the spirit, and he would do that, uh, you know, repeatedly over and over and over again. And not a lot would happen, and we'll I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But uh, finally, after a period of time, God started to really respond to those prayers, and people started to get touched by the spirit. Some people got healed. And so they were driving home one night, and John said, well, Carol, should we buy a tent or equip the saints? And the comment came from the, the sort of the history of the church movement. You know, uh, in the early half of the 20th century, throughout the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, there were, the, the, there, there were healing evangelists who would travel around the country. And, and a lot, they, were, they would typically do that in tents. They would have a big tent. They would set up and do a series of revival meetings in a community or in a city, be there for a while, and then move on to the next place. So John's comment was, should we go do that or 
Or instead, should we train other people and equip the church to do this and allow that ministry to be spread out, not just through me, but through everyone? So, so obviously, uh, you know, as you're, I'm sure, aware, they chose the, chose the latter. And so vineyard ministries and vineyard churches throughout the world, really, not just the United States, but all over the world, have been known uh, for equipping the saints, for, the, for, for training and raising up and releasing ministry in the lives of other people. And so foundational, uh, you know, to the vineyard movement really is, is the theological premise, and it really is theological, that the leadership... Uh, and, and in the passage references apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but the leadership doesn't do all the ministry. What the leadership does, their role is in fact to equip and to train other people to do the ministry, to utilize the gifts that they've been given that we talked about last week, utilize those gifts to carry on uh, what Paul calls works of service, or we might just call ministry, uh, in and through the community. So, you know, if you just think about it in a logical way, uh, obviously that's not only more efficient, right? Because more can get done through more people, but it's, it's also more fruitful. It's, it's more beneficial because not any one person is everywhere, but everybody is. And so, uh, you know, I might not be somewhere at your, where you work or where you go to school or in your neighborhood, but you're there and somebody needs prayer. And so you pray for them and you take care of them and you bring them food and, and you minister to them. And then somebody else does that here. So obviously, uh, it's more fruitful. And, and on top of that, really, and if you go to the next slide for me, Naomi, Verse 13 says, until, this is the goal, this is the outcome, the, the fruit of that, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So what happens when that, when that happens, when people do the ministry, is that the church matures, and the end game is that we look a lot more like Jesus. Uh, so the title, our title this morning, if you could uh, go one more for me there, is Big Giant Jesus. That's what we are. We're a big giant Jesus. So let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll, we'll dig into today's message. Thanks, Lord, for, uh, again, thank you for the mothers that are here and the mothers that are, that are with us online this morning. Thank you for moms everywhere and just what a joy and a blessing they are. They're so perseverant and patient and, uh, faithful in the raising of their kids. I thank you so much for the moms that are here today. Uh, and just bless them, Lord. Bless them on this day. Thank you for your word that it would strengthen and enrich us. Uh, we love you, we thank you, we honor you, we worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Speaking of we worship you, that was really good today, man. Man, you pulled out an oldie but a goodie there for a young guy. I like it. Tuck listens to the old stuff sometimes. First thing Paul points out in this passage, again, I, I didn't put the whole passage up, but he does talk about ministry being done by these different groups of people. And the point of that... It, in my estimation, is that by design, by God's design, the church functions as a team. And, and we've said before, I've said numerous times before, that Christianity is not a, not a spectator sport. That we don't watch from the stands, we're down on the field, we're getting involved. But I would add this morning, not only is it not a spectator sport, but it's not a solo sport. Okay, so... so Christianity, walking out ministry, living in faith, is not is, is more like, I would say, basketball than tennis. 
In tennis, you, you're, it's, it's all on you. You play, and the, and the volley goes back and forth, and, and, and it's, it's, it's on you whether you win or lose. But in a team sport like basketball, it's really how well the team plays together. And, and one of the key categories, if you watch basketball, is something called assists. How many assists were made? This guy's a really good player because he makes a lot of assists. assists. He helps other people do what they do. And that's really how the church works. We, we help each other. We work together. And as a team, we're more fruitful and more efficient in doing the things that God's called, uh, you know, the church to do in the community around us. So if we work backwards in this passage, if, if, if that's the goal, the end game is unity in faith and unity in the knowledge of Jesus. Those are, those are the indicators of maturity. What does a mature church look like? They'll be unified in faith. And they'll be unified in their understanding and knowledge of Jesus. Um, so so t- to me, I, it's key. I find it interesting that those, those indicators of maturity are unity, but not necessarily uniformity. We don't all have to be the same. We, we don't have to, we don't have to worship the same way. We don't have to wear the same clothes. We don't have to read the same translation of the Bible. Um, what we do have to do is encourage and, and appreciate and support uh, one another, love one another in the process. So one of the, to me, uh, uh, and I, I've shared before, you guys are aware, but I'm just... One of the greatest examples of that is is we've been meeting here in this room, in this building for a decade. Um, and we do that by the gracious hospitality of our hosts down the hall, Christ the King Lutheran Church. In case you weren't aware, uh, Cascade Vineyard and Christ the King approach their faith somewhat differently. Uh, we worship differently. We practice the sacraments. Both communion and baptism are done quite differently. Um, we read different translations of the Bible. Um, Pastor Dorothy, when, when she's conducting service, she wears a robe. I wear this. Do not laugh. So, so, so we're, we're very different in how we worship and how we express our faith, but we share together an amazing unity in faith and in the knowledge of Jesus. Those things are, are virtually identical. Um, so Paul tells us in the passage, the means of that, the way that we develop that unity is what he calls works of service. Uh, there are things that the church does that cause us to grow in, in faith and our understanding of Jesus. And what are those things? What do we do? And, and, you know, it makes sense, I suppose, if we want to be more like Jesus, that we would do the things that Jesus did, right? Isn't that what it's about? Do what Jesus did. Jesus came into the world as God incarnate. And so the church today comes into the world as Jesus incarnate. We pick up where Jesus left off. We take up the take up the agenda that he set forth and continue the things that he did in his in his person uh, as now as his body in the world. Um, 
So uh, Jesus ministered to, he worked and and spoke into and and touched the brokenness and the uh, injustice and the poverty uh, that was prevalent in the world. And that's what the church does today. This is what, again, what John Wimber called doing the stuff. We do the stuff. What is that? That's taking care of the people around us, serving our community, loving one another, doing those things. And that, that raises us up into maturity. Um, Luke chapter uh, 4, I think, uh, yeah, 4, 18, 19, if you want to go to the next slide. Jesus, uh, Jesus talks about what these things are. He gives sort of a summary. This is the agenda. This was his agenda, and it's our agenda. And Jesus says, he's speaking here, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he anointed me, to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what's the church's job? What is it that leads us to maturity and to unity? It's to do these things. So first he says, it's to proclaim good news to the poor. I believe, and I, I, the text would uphold this, that when he talks about the poor there, it's metaphorical. So it's not just the economically poor, although it, it is certainly the economically poor, and that always has to be a focus of, of the church, to care for those who are economically poor in their community, but it also includes those who might be spiritually and or emotionally poor and impoverished as well. We proclaim, our job is to proclaim good news to them. And the reality is there's a lot of bad news today. Anybody notice that? <laughs> Unless you live under a rock, you know, <laughs> you know there's bad news out there. Um, as followers of Jesus, I want to say this. We cannot, we cannot allow the bad news to create a vacuum in culture. Okay? We have to speak news of hope, news of joy, news of peace, news of acceptance, news of welcome, welcome into that vacuum so that the bad news doesn't just suck the air out of, out of the environment. We've got to be bearers of good news. Our message has to be, God doesn't hate you. God loves you. God accepts you. God welcomes you. God wants to know you. He wants to care for you. That has got to be the message of the church today. Good news to those that are overwhelmed, frankly, by bad news. I've talked to people recently who are overwhelmed. They're concerned. The bad news has has worn them down. Uh, And and our job is to speak life and good news into that. Second thing is freedom for the prisoners. And again, speaking metaphorically, not just the incarcerated, although certainly including those that are incarcerated, but also it it would include those that are imprisoned, prisoners of political oppression, of poverty, of racism, of any other injustice that might be foisted upon people. Some of those things, again, depending on your perspective, your, your world perspective, you may or may not be as aware of. I, I, I think most of us at least have enough consciousness of, of sort of the world to realize that our world is not the world. We, we might feel like we're politically oppressed here in this country, but let me tell you something, okay? Uh, my friends in Nicaragua could teach you a thing or two about political oppression. 
Folks, if you've watched the news in the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, the, 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 we're all wearing masks today, right? So there's, there's this pandemic happening. In our country, it's, it's getting better. We're on the upswing. If you look at places like India, no, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Uh, there are injustices around the world. There, there, we have, we, we have racism still in this country. Obviously, in the last year, that's been a huge focus. Um, but our job as the church is to break down those walls of oppression. And, and I want to say this, this is, that is a spiritual operation, okay? Uh, we talk about spiritual warfare. This is a spiritual operation. Um, the source of that oppression very often is demonic. Uh, when Scripture talks about things like strongholds or principalities and powers, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about uh, systemic uh, oppression of people that's, that's calculated to hold people down. Um, it, it, so, so our role is a church. So demonic forces work through people to oppress others. Our job as the church is to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us to free that oppression, to break that oppression off of those people that are being oppressed uh, systemically. It's to turn the tide, turn the tables, and speak and break freedom into the lives of those that are oppressed. I want to, uh, here's a little, I don't know what I call it. It's encouragement. Maybe it's a challenge. Rennie shared about next weekend and our outreach. So we'll go to Tiger Transit Center and we'll pass out coffee and pastries to people for free. And God loves you. It's showing God's love in a practical way. That's a cool thing to do. And if we go there and just hand that stuff out, I think that's nice. That's, a, that's cool. It's different. It doesn't happen every day. I, here's my challenge. What if this week, between now and then, you guys pray, and you ask God to really speak to you and give you direction? What if you ask God to, to give you insights and wisdom and knowledge and words for people? And, and what if you go there and you take that to heart and not only give people a cup of coffee or a donut, but, but you speak words of life into their heart and their life. Speak words of healing. What if you pray for somebody? What if somebody share, opens up and shares the bad day or the bad week or the bad month or the bad year they're having? What if they tell you they're riding the bus because it's the only way they can get from here to there? And you just pray and ask God to bless them and change their circumstances. What might happen then? See, I think we take a, a simple little act of kindness and we turn it into an opportunity for miracles when we do that. So that's my challenge to you. It's this week to pray and ask God to give you, to speak to you and give you direction and then to go in the name of Jesus with the supernatural power of the Spirit behind you to really speak healing and life into people and break oppression off of them. Third thing that Jesus mentions here in Luke 4 is recovery of sight for the blind or if you just kind of put that in context a broader context would be not only sight for the blind, but healing in general. Healing in general, healing, physical healing, all healing, spiritual, emotional, but physical healing in particular, is another sort of foundational element to the Vineyard Movement. It's been a part of who we are uh, from the very beginning. And, and I was convicted this week as I was preparing for this message that we can't let go of that. 
we, we, we can't let that go. We, we have got to contend for God's power to bring healing into the lives of those among us as well as those that we know outside of this group. So today, in just a couple minutes actually, uh, we're, we're going to pray for people. We're going to pray for one another and pray for healing this morning. And we're going to continue to do that. I, here, here's the deal. So Donna and I have been at this for uh, 44 years. Donna was five. Um, you look young, honey. She wasn't really five. Um, but we've been at this a long time, and we've seen people healed many times. We've also seen people not be healed, and uh, our hearts have been broken with that. We, uh, we participated. I, I led a memorial service for our dear friend Sandy March yesterday, and it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful occasion. It was also heartbreaking. You know, it was one of those things that's uh, precious in the moment, but sad in the moment as well. And, 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 and we've seen that. Um, but but we, we want to continue to contend for healing. I mentioned, you know, early on, Vineyard Ministry, as it was developing, um, you know, John talking to Carol about setting up a tent or not, but... Um, Early on, very, very early on, there would be, John would, he preached, I, I, I've never done an actual count, but I think if you go back in the first 10 years, John probably preached out of the four Gospels 75 or 80% of the time. And he would preach out of the Gospels, and then he'd open the end of the service up for, for healing, for prayer. Um, I mentioned you a couple weeks ago, I was the, the administrator of the prayer team at that time, and it was chaos, but um, very early on, we, we would pray, and we would pray, and we would pray, and not a lot would happen. You know, not, we wouldn't see very many people get healed. There was a guy in our church, a guy named Jim Campbell. He was, Jim Campbell was like a gentle giant. He was this big dude. He was, he was like... 6'4", six, 6'5", six, probably 280 pounds. He was just this massive dude. But he was so soft-spoken and so quiet and gentle. And I remember we prayed one night and it didn't seem like God was doing anything. Nothing happened. And Jim Campbell walking away, he goes, I'm never going behind that damn curtain again. Just he's like, I'm not done. I'm not going to pray anymore. I don't want to do this. And of course he did. He did. And, and we kept praying. We pressed in. And, and, and the reason we press in and continue to pray is because that's what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus told us to do. And so it really isn't about the results. It's really about being obedient to what God's called us to do. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.